You're listening to episode 181 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about charity running. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 181. My name is Letty. My name is Ryan. If you're a long-time listener of ours, thank you so much. And if you are new, welcome. We do a weekly marathon running podcast on all things related to running. We bring you experts that talk about training, nutrition, and we do some race recaps, which we'll be doing next week because we're actually pre-recording this episode at this very time of this episode coming out. We will just have finished the New York City Marathon. So that'll be coming up next. Yes. So Letty, what are charity runners? So a charity runner is a participant in a road race, usually half marathons or full marathons, who raises money or awareness for a charitable organization. And a lot of people run the major, the world major marathons as a charity runners because they're just so difficult to get in. So if you can't get in with a qualifying time, it's another way to get in? Yes. So a lot of those races do have qualifying times that are pretty steep, but there's also a lot of runners that choose the charity programs over doing a regular entry because they have a cause that's close to their heart. And so they raise a lot of money. So, and just to give you some numbers, for example, the Boston Marathon, there's 30,000 runners in the field. They can't increase the field because the streets are too narrow. And so out of the 30,000 runners, they give 6,000 about spots to charity runners. So these organizations, most of them have a minimum of $8,000 that needs to be raised per runner. So you have 6,000 runners and each one of them raises more than $8,000 to participate in the race. And that's pretty amazing. I can't do the math in my head. So obviously that's good for charities. So if you were trying to just fund it by coming up with $8,000 and giving it to a charity, that's a lot of money. So how does that work? So I think there's an interviewing process by the charities. I think they want to sometimes see that you have previous fundraising experience, etc. And then they select you. You give them a credit card number. So you're liable to raise those funds no matter what, even if it has to come out of your credit card. But then most organizations, I believe they give you a lot of help and ideas on how you can raise those funds. Hopefully your credit limit is high enough. Yeah, right. (laughs) Charity runners work a lot harder because not only do they have to train for the marathon and figure out their travel budget, but then they also have to come up with this much money. So I feel like they have a stronger mind game just because they have these personal connections to their charities and they feel maybe some pressure or responsibility to fulfill these expectations by the people that have pledged for them. And the outcome is more meaningful. So you have a charity that's close to your heart and then you cross this finish line. You feel like you've done it, not just for yourself, but also by doing it for the cause. So I feel like the stakes are a little bit higher. So I have a lot more respect <laughs> for charity runners than uh, most of us that you know don't know how to fundraise. Or they have an $8,000 credit card bill that they're going to have to pay when they're done. 
So now that we understand a little bit about Charity Runners, uh, do you have an interviewee today? I do. So I interviewed Hillary, who can be found on Instagram as running up that Hillary, which I love her. <laughs> I love her handle. And she actually had to fundraise under pressure. She got notification that she was in for the Boston Marathon of this year, 2023. But she only had a little bit over a month to raise those over $8,000. So if anyone, she would be a good person to talk to about fundraising. Yeah, that's quite the uphill battle. I <laughs> got it. <laughs> and then when we're done talking to Hillary, we're also going to discuss a few ideas on how people can fundraise if that's what your goal is. So you want to get into it? Yeah. So without any further ado, I'm now going to play my conversation with Hillary. All right. So I'm here with Hillary Burgess. Hillary, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so let's start with a little bit about you. Who are you, what do you do, and how did you basically get inspired to become a charity runner? Yeah, so I, I've been running for most of my life. Uh, I'm 31 years old. I, I've been running since I was seven years old. Um, my my dad uh, is the one that got me running. He was a runner in childhood, um, ran his first marathon at 12, which is, is kind of crazy. They don't let, they don't let you do that anymore. Um, and he, uh, I, I grew up, we would just drop him off in the desert first 20 mile runs and he would, he would run home. I grew up in Arizona. So this was literally the desert. We would just leave a jug of water at random, random places. So, very familiar with, uh, with marathon, uh, culture, even back then, uh, he signed me up for my first 5k in second grade. Um, and I have been road racing consistently ever since. So I did cross country and track and in junior high and high school, I moved to, to longer distances when I was in college. Um, so I did my first half marathon at, uh, at 20, um, I just hit 50 half marathons this last weekend. Um, and I, uh, ran my first, first marathon about a year ago. Um, so it'll be a year in December. That's pretty amazing. So before we go any further and hop into the charity part of this, I am wondering what did he say to help you like running? Because we see as parents, a lot of the times that parents, try to share what they like with the kids and maybe do it a little bit too much. And then the kid gets completely turned off by it. So I think what he did really well is that he was always really supportive. You know, he would, he would sign me up for races. He would come out to my, my cross country meets. He was my cross country coach. Um, so he was, he was there anyways. Um, but even in junior high, before I was on his team, he would always come out to, to support me and, and my siblings as well when, when they ran, but never in a pushy way. So there's been years where I only race maybe once or twice and he's as supportive at, at, at those years as he is years like, like this year where, you know, I'm racing two, three times a month. And, and so less, you know, I want you to be a runner and here's how you should do it and, and more hands off. And he's there when I, when I want him, he's supportive. I've grown up around the sport. So the exposure was always good, you know, going, cheering him on for his races. Um, you know, if there was a, a 5k or even a kid's run, I would have the option, but it wasn't an automatic, Hey, Hillary, you are doing this. This is what you're going to do. Um, and so I think, I think that's the, what has made it stick so long. 
That's pretty awesome. So that's some parenting advice for those of us that have kids. All right. So then you said your first marathon happened just last year. Which one was that? I ran rock and roll San Antonio. So I, I live in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, my first half marathon was actually rock and roll San Antonio as well in 2012. And then um, 10 years later, my my first full marathon. That's so awesome. And then this year you ran the Boston Marathon. And the Boston Marathon is a pretty big event to run as a charity runner. So maybe we can talk about what inspired you to become a charity runner and pick the Boston Marathon for this. Absolutely. So so I guess it, it all started um, with my, my daughter. So um, I have two kids. I have an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, and my uh, my two-year-old was born and immediately we knew something was wrong with her. Uh, it was, it was not something that came up in, in pregnancy, very normal pregnancy, but it was the moment she was born that all the nurses were quiet. They rushed everybody in, took her, took her away. Um, I still had an epidural. I couldn't even move and they're whisking my baby away. And, um, she ended up being in the NICU for a while and, we went home and didn't get a diagnosis for a little while. So we ended up back in the hospital. She wasn't really able to eat. She wasn't gaining weight. She was in the lowest, lowest percentile, basically starving to death. And we couldn't figure out, we thought it was a tongue tie or, or something with, with latching. We tried, tried everything with that. And it wasn't until she was four months old that she ended up hospitalized and they did a lot more extensive testing and they found out that she actually had a heart defect and it's um so it is called a vascular ring so basically her aorta wrapped around her esophagus so it was no uh very little milk or formula or anything could could get through it all it um, she would exhaust herself sucking on a bottle because she couldn't swallow any of that. And we ended up, we got, we, it wasn't an emergency situation. So there's two types of vascular rings. So in one case, it's around both their esophagus and their trachea. And so they can't breathe. And that's an emergency surgery with her. It was only around her esophagus. So what it, we didn't have to rush into surgery. They recommended since she was so little that we wait a little bit um, because as she got bigger, the, the wrists were, were smaller. And we got a G-tube put in so that she was able to safely gain weight. You know, we could bypass her esophagus all, all around and just give her her formula directly. Um, and so she was able to gain weight. And we eventually, we, we scheduled her heart surgery. And this was last June. So June of 2022, um, when she was 15 months old. Um, and at that point, she wasn't eating solids. She wasn't walking. She didn't have teeth. Like it was, she was very much um, delayed in a lot of those things. And we had, uh, we had our heart surgery. We had an awesome team here at the Children's Hospital of San Antonio. They were fantastic. They were able to successfully fix the, the vascular ring, reroute her aorta, re-implant it where it's supposed to go so that there was no longer the constriction. And by the time that we uh, we left the hospital, she was she was already eating solid food. And it was 
not long after that, it was about a week that she, uh, she started walking. So it was, I mean, everything all at once. And so it was, it was a very, uh, traumatic, uh, 15 months. And then, you know, the, the few months after that, taking care of the, 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 um, incision wound, eventually we were able to get the, the G-tube out, make sure that all of that healed everything. Um, and it was, it was definitely, it was scary. It was, um, a, a terrifying experience. Um, but she made a, a full recovery. You know, she sees a cardiologist twice a year and that is all like just for monitoring. And we, we got off so lucky, so incredibly lucky. And so that was what, um, what my, my main motivation for being a charity runner was. That's pretty mind blowing. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I try to keep my kids off of of social media as much as possible. I actually use fake names for them on my um, on my public profile. Um, so my son, I call him Miles, and my daughter, I call her Cadence. Those aren't their real names, but they're 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 running related uh, fake names. Um, and so I don't post about it all that that often. Um, and you know, at the same time not just for privacy, but it's also, it's a, it's a pretty emotional thing. So I, um, I don't talk about it all that much, but, um, when, when it's appropriate, I, I definitely like to share her story. Um, and so I, I didn't start my public, uh, running Instagram until January. And I started connecting with different runners from around, mostly around North America, some people overseas, um, and one of the people I connected with, uh, his name's Scott and he was running, he was in the middle of raising money for Boston. So I asked him, I'm like, how did you get involved with this? Um, what are your tips? He sent me lengthy information on everything he did. And I thought in my mind, I'm going to run the 2024 Boston marathon. I'm going to find a heart charity. I'm going to run for my daughter and, that's that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I started researching charities um, and I found the Joseph Middlemiss Big Heart Foundation. And so Joseph was a little boy who had um, at cardiomyopathy and he uh, he ended up passing away uh, about 10 years ago at the age of six and his, uh, his little brother has the same condition. He's, um, he's doing well now. He, uh, their parents ended up founding the foundation in his honor. So to keep his legacy alive, spread positivity, um, and then also support families who are, um, also dealing with, with heart conditions in their, in their children. And as soon as I found that charity, I knew this is the charity I want to run for. And they had a page there on their website for it. It was for the 2023, uh, the 2023 Boston Marathon. And at the time, this was March. So this was a month before Boston. And I, I was like, oh, well, I'm sure they're full. I'm just going to submit this and get a head start on everybody else for 2024. So I wrote in, I told them Cadence's story, everything, and about maybe like 
an hour later, I got an email back from somebody from charity teams, um, Susan, who's fantastic. And she said, oh yeah, I think you'd be a great for, let's definitely keep in touch. I asked how I could help for 2023 and um, I'm, I'm not local to the area. So there wasn't really a whole lot I could do. Um, but the the plan was essentially, you know, the next 13 months, stay in touch. And then one day after that, I get a call from Susan and somehow stars aligned exactly perfectly. And she said, hey, I have an extra bib. I know this is crazy. Can you raise $8,500 in 32 days and figure out the logistics and come to Boston? Wow. So that's not just, I mean, you're saying it like it's only two things, but the other thing is also you got to be ready to run this race, right? You got to <laughs> cram the yeah. training. So yeah, luckily with that. So I had just run the Austin marathon, um, about a month, uh, less than a month before I, I, I got the news. So I was in, um, in decent marathon shape. Um, I, you know, I could have probably used a couple more long runs, but I, I wasn't, wasn't starting from, from ground zero there. So then that you got one out of three. The other thing is logistics, right? Finding an affordable ticket and of course the place to stay. So let's touch on that briefly before we hop into the crazy fundraising goal. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh that was a lot. So we actually I was able to get a flight home from Boston. Um, but I could not get one to Boston. So um my fiance and I, we ended up flying into Newark. Um, and we spent a day in New York City and then we took um, the Amtrak up to to Boston. OK, so that's the second hurdle. That's a, I mean, it looks <laughs> like you can make it into a great trip, especially if you have sitters at home and you didn't have to bring the kids along. Right. Yeah. And it was it was good. We hadn't been on a, a trip. Uh, alone. We try to do one about once a year and we hadn't been on one for, for a while. Um, and so that, that was really nice. It was also my birthday. So that kind of worked out, you know, my parents were, were, um, more, uh, more willing to watch the kids. It was, it was also my birthday present. So that, that worked out. And plus, I mean, they, they also kind of, you know, they understood what a big deal everything was. And somehow we ended up finding an Airbnb less than a mile from the finish line. I have no idea how, um, but we lucked out. I think maybe it was because we didn't actually get there until Sunday. So it was only for Sunday and Monday night. Um, so we pretty much, we got into Boston off the train, immediately went to the very last hour of packet pickup and the expo. Like if, you know, if we had gotten there any later, I don't, logistically, I don't even know how I would have uh, picked up everything. Oh, wow. And you got lucky with the Airbnb, too, because we hear these horror stories of Airbnb owners canceling their Boston stays of runners because they find better prices and all that stuff. So we usually tell people stay away from Airbnbs just in case. But you lucked out. That's amazing. Are you looking for the perfect apparel that mirrors your love for running? Look no further than Run Swag, the go-to store by runners for runners. From witty tees to hoodies that commemorate your marathon majors to crops that get you motivated, Run Swag's got you covered. Discover the perfect blend of comfort and style. Visit www.runswag.com. Run Swag, there's something for every runner. You know, you made it to the expo on time. And then let's talk about 
the big elephant. Let's talk about the fact that raising $8,500 is already a big job for, I think it's a big job for two years. People do it in a year, but you had a month. So let's talk about that. So that was, that was very scary. And a lot of people don't understand that this is not a fundraising goal. It's a fundraising commitment. So what I don't raise that that is going on my credit card. And I, I don't even know how long it would take me to, to pay off $8,500. It'd be a while. Um, and so I, you know, that's a, the scary part of it. It's, it's, there isn't an option to fail. Um, and so I pretty much, I hit the ground running from the, the moment that I, I realized it was, it was happening. Um, I'm, I'm part of a, a, a running club here in San Antonio is the San Antonio road runners. And it's the, it's the biggest one in, in town. And that was, that was helpful because did have a good network of, of runners. I think we have maybe 1500 members, something like that. Um, and we were in the middle of, of spring training. So we have regular meetups and, and everything where, um, you know, I'm around, I'm around these people. Everybody knows what, uh, what a big deal, the the races and people were very happy to to support um i also pretty much talked to everyone i've ever met um because it was i mean it was a big goal and i didn't want to have to rely on any any one donation i know sometimes people get corporate donations and get a big chunk all at once and i didn't have time to 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 do any of that they they have all sorts of things to uh hurdles to jump over and and things for for that so i didn't go that route with any sort of local businesses or sponsorships or anything like that um, I, I did a few in-person things. So I, uh, my, my son and I, we, we got, uh, a ton of donuts and gels and liquid IV, and we posted up at one of the trailheads in town. So, uh, I, I run there a lot and I know it's a very popular place on, on Saturday morning for people to, to run, walk, bike, all of that. And so we set up. Um, and, and we didn't sell anything. We did it just by donation. It's like, Hey, y'all take this. It's free. Um, but scan this, at least read my daughter's story. If you don't end up donating, that's fine. But you know, here it is. And we got, we got a lot of donations from that. You know, people took a donut and they ended up sending me $20. So a a lot, a lot better than I think if, we did a bake sale with set prices. I think that was something that worked out pretty well. That's a really good approach. Um, I'm glad you're kind of going into these because I think that's the scary part about being a fun fundraising person for a charity, right? Because not only do you have to train, you also have to make the time to put in an effort and host events like that. So I guess I'm going to start by asking you, um, what kind of assistance or tips did your charity give you when it comes to fundraising? And then I'm going to ask you about some other methods of how you were able to raise these funds. Sure. I didn't actually ask them for for any tips at this point. Um, I, I'm sure that they would have been, been supportive. Um, they were, they were awesome and everything that I was emailing them about logistics, but I actually didn't, the, the topic of, of fundraising, I didn't really ask them for, for any of that. I, I more 
relied on other other charity runners. That was a big part of it uh, where I, I learned a lot. So um, Scott, who I mentioned before, he added me to a Facebook group um, that was for Boston Marathon specific charity runners. So, you know, we all had the same deadline for for raising money. Um, and a lot of the fundraising tips I got from that group. Okay, perfect. So I like your idea of having a stand at a trailhead and kind of like what you said, it makes a lot more sense to not be selling an item for a certain dollar amount, but rather having your story and getting a bigger donation because I can see myself just donating 20 bucks rather than having that dollar available when you're running anyway. So that was a great idea. And then, but you know, you're still looking at $8,500. You're not looking at a Chicago fundraiser for $1,700. So what other things did you do? How did you approach it? And how easy or hard was it to reach out to your non-running friends or Facebook family friends and all that to tell them, I want to run a marathon. I want to raise money. So one of the, one of the things that I did, I, um, I got a bunch of, of running items. So I'm a, I'm an ambassador for, for a few different running companies. And so I had some, some products around. And so I decided to sell raffle tickets Um, that was a, that was a pretty easy thing. I had points for, for one of them where I could, um, I could trade in my points and get free items. And so I raffled those off. I had some stuff already at home, um, that I had never used that I decided to use as, as raffle tick, uh, raffle items. Um, so I sold raffle tickets. I can't remember. I think they were $10 each. Um, so I had a huge spreadsheet going with, with everybody who bought raffle tickets. Um, you know, even people who, if they just donated, I would give them some raffle tickets, even if they didn't know about the raffle going on. Um, that was, that was a really good one. Um, a couple of the things that I got from the charity Facebook group, some tips there that I ended up using. So one of them, I had, um, people buy, um, songs for my Spotify playlist that I was going to listen to during, during the race. Um, and so, you know, I spun that I'm like, you know, make me listen to the most obnoxious things in the world, you know, something that inspires you or something that you think is funny. Um, one of my, one of my friends, my local running, running buddies, she has a, a grandson who's, he's maybe three or four. And, and so we talk a lot about, about Bluey. And so she had a few different Bluey remixes that she ended up putting on there. Um, so that was a, that was a fun, that was a fun one. Um, and then I had, I had one where people would sponsor a mile, um, within the, within the race. So, you know, mile one is for this person. Mile two is for this person. Um, And so that was, that was a cool thing. Um, and then I also had people guess my, my finishing time. Um, and so some of them were, were crazy. Some of them were, um, like, you know, people, the, a lot of them, like on Facebook, people who didn't know me personally, like 302 and that is not within range for, for me, but I, I was flattered. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, 608. And I'm like, I sure hope not. But, um, but you know, you, <laughs> you, you bought the, you bought the, the time. So, uh, so I'll write it down. Um, so big spectrum there. Um, and then 
a lot of the the donations were just from reaching out to people individually. So, you know, Facebook posts, all that stuff is great, but sending sending a text to, you know, my 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 friends, my my aunts, uncles, cousins and just saying, "Hey, y'all remember when um Cadence was going through all of this?" Um, I got this opportunity to run the Boston Marathon in her honor, raising money for kids in similar situations. Would you mind donating? You know, I didn't ask for a dollar amount. And those donations ranged from from $10 all the way up to my grandma ended up donating 300. And that was my that was my largest donation. Well, that's pretty cool. And I think you kind of are answering a question that I didn't ask you but in the back of my head always had, because I asked you earlier, how difficult was it for you to reach out? Because I can see myself having a really hard time reaching out to people. But I think you solved that by having a charity that has something that is very personal to you and your daughter that you identify with. So when you are asking basically for a donation, you have a greater cost than if you don't have a cause that you're truly behind, you're kind of feel like you're just asking for money to run a marathon versus you're actually asking for a donation to help out in something that's personal to you. Yeah, I think that that's key. And that's, that's definitely, that's, that's one of the things that before I even started thinking about that, what, what my friend Scott had said was find something that is, is close to your heart. And, you know, at the time he didn't, he didn't know about, about my daughter. I, I hadn't posted anything about, about her on my, my public page or anything. Um, but it was immediately, as soon as he said that, I, I just knew that if I was going to do this, it was going to be for a, for a children's heart charity, um, that there was, there was nothing closer to me than, than that. That's awesome. So, did you end up raising all $8,500? I did. I hit my goal. Uh, it took me 22 days. Wow. So all that, what you did, you had packed it into 22 days. That's a, that's a full-time job. <laughs> it was, it was definitely uh, a, a lot. Um, I mean, I, I exhausted everything, every, uh, I, I, both of my kids' schools, um, you know, talking to, to other parents there uh, talking to every relative I have, um, you know, lots of people I went to, to college with lots of, of coworkers, um, and, you know, not everybody donated, um, you know, this was not every single person I talked to donated, but, um, I think it was a lot more than if it was just a blanket, Hey, you know, if, if y'all want to donate, here's my link. Um, so I think that individually asking people, I think that's, that's huge. And it is, it is uncomfortable. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like asking for money. Um, and I think also people understanding where the money is going. Like, I think a lot of people were under the impression that yes, this goes to charity, but y'all are also funding my, uh, my race registration or whatever. And, and that is not part of it. So I, on top of, of all of, of that, I also, you know, I paid the full registration, all the logistics, all of that was out of, out of pocket. Um, and, and so it was not a, you know, y'all, y'all get me to Boston. And also some of this goes to charity. It was 100%. This is all going to, to charity.
And do you do that for a job? Is fundraising part of your job or is this the first time you ever had to fundraise anything? So it's not part of my job. I was in a sisterhood group in, in college. And so we did a lot of philanthropy things. We, um, we, we would have philanthropy events. We would ask for sponsorships. So I had some experience with that. But again, that was much lower stakes because when we would have a fundraising goal, it was great to meet it. But if we didn't, if we didn't hit our fundraising goal, it, you know, we weren't liable for anything else. There wasn't, there, there wasn't a credit card on the, on the line. Um, and, um, and, and I also, I went to a really big school. So the, the network um, with, you know, the, the, the groups that uh, I went to university of Texas at Austin. So with the groups at UT asking for, for local businesses to, to sponsor them and stuff, they were kind of used to it. It was, it was kind of a established sort of thing. So it was, I, I had fundraised before, but not at the same scope and definitely not on my own. That's pretty amazing. Um, I wish I would have known you before that because I would have loved to see all these fun events because it sounds like you kind of made it really fun. So with that said, let's hear about how it was running a marathon as a charity runner. Obviously you've run a marathon before, so you can kind of compare the two of them, but specifically Boston, I know you guys get your own wave. Can you tell us about the good and the bad stuff? Yeah. So it was, uh, overall, it was amazing. Just hands down one of the, the coolest experience uh, experiences of my life. Um, it was also, it was my 31st birthday. So that also made things, uh, even, even more exciting, um, over, over the years, Boston has fallen on my birthday multiple times, or, you know, it's always close to my birthday and it's always been something that I'll, I'll watch on, on TV and, and follow along. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, it was amazing. Um, the logistics were, were tough. Um, and I, I was super intimidated like very, very intimidated. I knew that there was a six hour time limit, but I truly didn't understand the, uh, the range of charity runners. I, I thought that I was going to be the last person to finish. Um, I, I wasn't worried about the six hour time limit. Um, but I thought that was more of a, um, you know, like formality. I didn't think that, that, that people were, were, from all sorts of running backgrounds, running for, for charity. I, I thought that this was going to be mostly people who were super close to, to BQ standards. Um, and, uh, you know, much faster, much faster than me. And, and so that was, that was one of the the things that I was worried going in, you know, I was super intimidated. I, I took the bus, we got to athletes village and I was super intimidated and, I was there hours before I had to start. So all the super fast waves were there, not the, not the professionals. They had, they had taken off before I even got to, to athletes village, but, um, the, uh, the second and third waves, they were all there. And I was just like, I, I did not feel like I belonged there. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of felt it was definitely, um, it was definitely a, a big case of imposter syndrome. Like I do not, I don't belong here. Um, I got a chance to, to meet my friend Scott in person before the race. Um, and that, that was awesome. You know, we walked to the start line and all of that. Um, that was really nice. And then, um, 
right before starting, I actually found the other two runners that were running for, for team big heart. And I had never met them in person. I'd never met any of these people in person. Um, but that was really cool. Like I got to connect with them right before we actually started the race. Um, and running the race itself, once I, once I started, it was, it was incredible. Like the crowds, every single step of the way were amazing. Um, the, the volunteers, everything I had, I had a, a custom bib that had my name and said that it was my birthday. So I had so many people yelling, go Hillary or happy birthday. And, and so that was huge. You know, I, I don't think I stopped smiling like at any point during that. And I definitely cannot say that about any other race I've ever run. I'm definitely not smiling for most of those, but it was just such a happy, happy occasion. Um, one of the really, really cool things. So Heartbreak, Heartbreak Hill um, is at about 21 miles. And that's actually where the Team Big Heart tent was set up. So, you know, toughest part of the race. I've I've already been been running for three and a half hours at this point. And I'm running up the longest hill of, of the entire race. It's not particularly steep, but it goes on and on and on. It just keeps going. And so I uh during that time, that's when I ended up seeing the tent for Team Big Heart and they, you know, they, they saw my, my, uh, my singlet that they had sent me. So they, they recognized that I was on their team, um, gave them, gave them a hug. And that was the, that was the time that I started crying during the, during the race. That was, that was when I, I teared up. Um, and that was such an emotional moment. Like everything came together, the, the fundraising, the, the, the people, the race, everything just, just at that moment, it just was, it was, it was just amazing. Um, and then, you know, I had another, had another hour of running left. Um, and I, I never hit a wall. I, uh, I started hoping for it to end soon around mile 24. Um, you know, that was the point where I was like, okay, this has been great. Let's get to the finish line. Um, and then, when I made that that last turn um, on on Boylston and I could see the the finish line, it was just surreal. Um, I mean, I felt like I was running incredibly fast. I, I don't think I was running all that fast. I think I think um, I was probably what my my last point two was was probably somewhere in the in the eight or nine minute minute range. So it was not an incredible sprint, but it, it felt like it. And then when I, I crossed that finish line, it was, it was, it was just amazing. And there were so many people who finished ahead of me. There were so many people still on the course. Like it was, it, you know, at that point it, I felt like I had earned my spot and I, I deserve to be there as much as, as anybody, um, anybody else on that course. I love this. You made me tear up with this, especially with, <laughs> you know, meeting the charity tent and then crossing that finish line because everybody that is there deserves to be there, especially the charity runners, because they do so much more than what we do focusing on our own race. You actually make a big difference in people's lives. So um, I, I love all of this and I'm really grateful for you sharing your story with us and looking forward to you 
running more marathons, following your amazing Instagram. And I want to tell our listeners how they can find you because you always have great stories and great posts. Thank you. Um, so I'm on, I'm on Instagram. My, my handle it's, it's running up, uh, running up that Hillary. Um, there's some, uh, underscores between the, the words. Um, but yeah, I post, post all sorts of stuff. I mean, mundane stuff like, Hey, I went running and then I, uh, try to do inspirational stuff occasionally. Um, when, when the mood strikes, I, I had a, had a post recently, um, just about, charity runner misconceptions. Um, there was some backlash over the, the 529 cutoff with Boston recently. Um, and a lot of comments about how charity runners were taking up spaces that should have been going to, uh, to qualifiers. And so I, um, I posted my, my response to that. Uh, that was a, that was a big, big part of it. Um, you know, product reviews, books, all sorts of everything running. Perfect. And we will link that in our description. And thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Letty. Thank you, Hillary. And again, congrats on running Boston and being an amazing fundraiser. And we will put your handle at the bottom of our show notes so everyone can find you too. So Ryan, let's hop into some fundraising ideas that we've looked up. I know that a lot of the charities that you fundraise for give you ideas and they give you platforms, but let's talk about a few unconventional ways and then some traditional fundraising ideas. So first of all, don't be afraid to ask for big amounts. It's okay to ask for larger amounts because if you don't ask, you will never know. Another tip is to be personal. So let people know about your story. Tell them why the cause is big to you so that way they can connect with you better than, you know, you're just asking for money. Another tip is to start early. You have a year normally between the time that you sign up for the race to raise the funds. So what might be some fundraising ideas? So the charity of your choice will probably provide you with a website that you can personalize. So I would say make sure that you do that, put some pictures in it, put in your reason and your why, and then you need to start asking for donations. That would be the easiest way because then you just email that to your friends. You can share that on social media and everyone will be able to read your story, why you're running, and how much you need to raise. But after you've done that, there are some other things that you should be doing in order to get money from other sources. Some people work for, you know, large corporations or big businesses or even even smaller businesses, and sometimes maybe they would be willing to sponsor you for a race if you wore like a t-shirt with their brand name on it or something like that. You know, that's always an idea. Ask your place of employment if they match donations as well, because a lot of them have the funds for that. So you could potentially have events that raise money. They don't necessarily have to be directly related to your running, but you're still raising money that will then go to the charity, which would fulfill your requirement. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I also think it's a good idea what Hillary did, which was putting up an aid station for runners on an area where people run. And then instead of selling something for a dollar, she would just give them the information on how to donate to her. Because if you're selling something for a dollar, like you're selling a, a water for a dollar, then you're going to get a lot less. Well, first of all, runners don't carry money while they're running. 
But second, if they later on go back, you're much more likely to get a higher amount. Nobody's going to give you a dollar. They're going to donate probably, I don't know, $10, $20 for your cause. But like if you can give, if you give a detailed like history and timeline of the process of your training, it might get people more interested. Um, you know, nowadays with YouTube and other stuff, you could create a story of your goal to run the marathon or to do the even a goal to raise the money and you can document that on you know the whole process and people might be interested in that and donate just because of that yeah you can always reach out to your local running club and tell them what they are doing i think a lot of runners are very supportive of each other and we know how hard it is to fundraise and your friends will always be behind you with that we're going to include some links in this podcast about various platforms, including St. Jude. They have a lot of tips on how to fundraise. So just know that it's been done before and you're not alone. There's tons of ideas. There are also Facebook groups that teach you how to raise funds for your charity event. So actually, if you just look and you research a bit, you can find just ways to fundraise it doesn't necessarily have to be related to running, but just any type of fundraising. And, you know, a lot of times one of the most prominent, we, we already alluded, or we already talked about some of them, but like crowd for crowdfunding campaign, you know, you can encourage matching donations. Corporate donations are always good. So like either your place of work or another place of work and you can sell stuff, you can sell products, you can sell uh, another race or walk or 5k or anything like that. Um, you can also, one that we didn't say, I don't think, is you can try to encourage other people to raise money for you. Um, so you can have other people going around and asking if they would also um, like to contribute to your cause. So Yeah, put your kids to work. Give them some candy and go through the neighborhood. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things is if you just sit down and, and come up with like a game plan and do your research, it'll help you organize and figure out what the best way to approach or tackle the the problem of raising in the Boston Marathon case $8,000. Yeah, it's a lot. What you also can do, and this is not online, is go to your local stores that you frequent and ask them for products, like Ryan said, and then later on sell them or do some sort of silent auction where you can get funds for that. If you tell them that you're doing it for a cause, the local shops might have some money set apart for things like that and will contribute because they're also getting their name out there if you do something that's local. So, yeah, I always think that people seem to be more willing to give if they get something in return or even if you did something simple like just made T-shirts about your run or your charity or your your process and everything else and, and sold those, people might be more willing to actually buy a t-shirt because they get something out of it and then any of the profits from that go to your race. Exactly. And they know it goes to a good cause. And yeah, what you said about the local shops is they're not just doing something for a good cause, but they also get more publicity about their store and people will probably then know about their store and come shop there in return. So we're just coming up with these from our little research, but also do your own research because there's tons of information out there now and Probably some better ideas even out there that you can figure out. And if you find some, let us know. Exactly. 
So, so that concludes our episode on charity running. Thank you again, Hillary. We hope that you liked her story. Stay tuned for next week when we will have a recap of the New York City Marathon. Since this was my first time running it, I'm very excited to share that with you. Follow us on Instagram. We are at Running Podcast, where we posted stories all weekend long about the New York City Marathon. So if you want to see what it looked like, that's where it will be. Anything else from you, Ryan? Hopefully this will encourage some people to step out of their comfort zone and, and go raise funds to run a marathon that maybe they dreamed about but hadn't done. Exactly, because you do make a difference and maybe it'll also fuel your why and you'll be a stronger runner just from doing that. And with that, have a great week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and marathon running news, please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week. Thank you.